Hello, I'm Fenya. I'm Susanna. And I'm Nick, and we probably shouldn't be friends. That's because we're from different places and we come at issues from different angles. Me, I'm a gay, mixed-race, working-class bloke. Boxes ticked. And I'm a traditional Catholic woman living as an immigrant in a very liberal country. And I'm a climate protester turned riot police. But what we all have in common is we're looking to figure out what the hell is going on in the world and how we navigate it. And we'll talk about everything from politics to dating, from mental health to nutrition. We'll look at history and current affairs for inspiration and we'll share stories from our own lives. All topics and viewpoints will be welcome, so if you're easily offended, switch off now. Welcome back to another episode of Shouldn't Be Friends. Hopefully you're not getting bored of us now. Um, We are kind of delving away from our characteristically heavy topics today because in an era where our pop songs tell us we can buy our own flowers and we can hold our own hands... (laughs) We're noticing that we seem to be curiously obsessed with relationships. The biggest shows on TV are like Love Island, First Dates. So that tells us that maybe relationships do have a function greater than just, uh, you know, we need something more than just ourselves. uh, Do you agree? Yeah, it's more than just the aesthetic of having someone bring you flowers and someone to put on your Instagram story. I think there's an integral and very important part of relationships for uh, personal and societal flourishing so that's gonna be I mean I know you said it's gonna be light but <laughs> at the same well, time I yeah. feel like it's quite a it's quite a hefty topic depends on how you approach it really. yeah I mean I suppose relationships go down to who we are we're social animals I mean what are we if we don't define ourselves against others you know we need each other to to be um and I think we're gonna go you know we're gonna move from this conversation of like how do we date what's the right way to date because we need to figure out, you know, why are we dating? What do we want in the end? And that's probably where we're going to disagree. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you date? Like, how, how? what's your dating life like? Well, I do date, but uh, obviously because I have, as we probably will go into it, very specific standards and very specific definitions of what a relationship should look like, what a dating relationship should look like, what is its purpose, mm. that automatically reduces the dating pool by like 95 to 99%. Well, let's go into it because, you know, there's not that many Christians in the UK or as a proportion of the greater population. I don't think that it's really out there in the cultural zeitgeist how Christians go about it. So, you know, you're the first person really that I've ever spoken to um, who can kind of give me an insight in how it works to you. So I think for our listeners, it'd be really interesting to kind of get a glimpse of what it's like to date as a Christian? You know, how, how do you go about it? Yeah, I think the first thing to kind of identify is that even though I don't know what the statistic is, 48% or 45% of people call themselves a Christian, but um, in practice, that is quite a loose term. Like what they mean by that is quite different to what I would say be, uh, being a Christian means. So even in that small proportion of people that would call themselves Christian, tiny fraction of that actually practices the teachings of Christianity when it comes to relationships, dating and sexuality. So, so um, that <coughs> kind of minimizes your dating pool because that is very important to you. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for me, it's a non-negotiable. Like I said to you before in a private conversation, the biggest and the most important part of my life for me is my faith. That informs every single part of my life. It informs all my decisions. 
it informs my lifestyle that's what I center my life around and if mm-hmm. you don't share that then we're not going to have a successful relationship because you're going to get frustrated I'm going to like it's not going to work so what what's your what does your ideal man look like what what's what does he what's his function what does he do um how does he go about his life how does he treat you yeah and how what does that relationship look like what is his role what would your role be in terms of meeting and dating like the first initial part of it it's really I mean to me personally this is not like a teaching of the church but to me Mm. personally it's really important that the man initiates and clearly states his intentions do you want a Netflix and chill is not an invitation that I would accept would you (laughs) like to go on a date with me is one that I would definitely accept in fact I would say that unless you're an absolute lunatic (laughs) (laughs) unless there's something really really wrong and if someone asks me on a date even if I'm not initially attracted to them but they have the guts to say would you like to go on a date with me I will 100% say yes because that takes courage that doesn't happen in in our society very often anymore so the beginning stages of the relationship it's really important to define what your intentions are yeah. Um, you're not just hanging out. You're not just um, seeing where it goes. Your mm-hmm. intention is, I want to get to know you better to see if we are a suitable match, if you yeah. want to put it that way. The purpose of dating is to discern, to decide whether you this is the person that you want to marry. So it's a very clear and very, it has a specific purpose. It's not just to have fun. It's not just to like you're spend time a, with a someone. For, you're for looking life. for someone that you know will be able to take care of you, mm-hmm. um, someone that you can care for as well, um, and, yeah, someone that you align with in terms of values, in terms of lifestyle, in terms of priorities in life, ambitions. Catholic dating can be quite intense because oh, really? you go, go into, <laughs> like, very deep topics. There's no such thing as, like, hanging about and no. dragging people around and, <laughs> and just spending time for the sake of spending time because you can do that with your friends. You don't need to be in yeah. a dating relationship. Obviously, you do fun things. It's not just sitting down and ticking a list. Or but whatever. those conversations seem to be they quite happen, serious ones. They happen quite soon, I think, compared to... So, like, in, right. a, in a secular relationship, you'd have someone dating for, like, three or four years and then, um, you know, they live together for a couple of years and then they're, like... The woman starts... Or, or the man, they start to go... Oh, where is this going? What what are we? That That's does not, not happen. That's I not have a true. lot of friends that that no. happens to. A lot of friends that are dating the for a long time. Secular people talk about what they want in life. I mean, they, look, do, they might be more. They might. There are definitely instances where people put those things on the back burner because maybe they're not yeah. going to like the answer that they're going to get. But in general, you know, people meet whether they're secular or religious. And they talk about, you know, what they want for their lives and whether that those things are aligned. I'm not saying they don't, but I think often they just kind of hover in that space of relationship because it's comfortable. Even if there are things that, you you know, like I have multiple friends that have been in relationships for years and then one of them, whichever one is, for example, doesn't want to have children or mm-hmm. does want to have children and they just kind of sat around in that relationship but yeah. never yeah. never confronted those differences or... One of them wants to get married, the other one doesn't. I think I think what you're saying is in a secular relationship, people are prepared for to be in a relationship that might not fulfill them forever and just go yeah. and it be a transitory thing. Whereas for you Christians, you know, or people that hold their faith as highly and closely as you do, you're looking for the guy that you get involved with to be the guy that fulfills all of those needs and you can go the distance with. Um, Whereas yeah. I think we're more prepared to have transitory relationships, flings, 
you know, boyfriend. It's expected yeah. in the secular world to have, you know, three or four partners before you settle down, if you settle down. Yeah, I think that's another thing, like, it's very clear which kind of makes it more intimidating in a way, especially for the man, because it's very clear that, you know, if this works out, we're getting married. Like, that, there's yeah. no, you know, oh like, God, that's the whole yeah. purpose of it. You don't date someone just because it's... Like, I have a lot of friends, for example, that um, have dated men in the past or are in currently in relationships where they go into the relationships knowing that they don't really like the man that much and that they don't really... They don't see themselves with him long term, but... They don't want to be single, so why not go into a relationship just because a relationship is something that maybe society expects of them or maybe even they want to have that label that they can throw around, like, I'm in a relationship. But they don't actually like the person as much and they don't really want to spend a long period of time with them in terms of going to the future. But they enjoy spending pastimes with them, but obviously they have, like, sex with him and whatever. For me... I don't need a man to kill my loneliness because I have friends that support me in that way. I have the support system of very close friendships. Ma a marriage or a relationship is something, it has a different purpose. Obviously, that is part of it. Mm. It's, it needs to be a very close friendship, but it it's to go beyond a friendship with yeah. other people. So, I mean, the vast majority of people in the UK, you know, they do practice premarital sex you know we we do date casually we have a very casual hookup culture i think uh, the average person in the uk sleeps with at least nine people over their lifetime and that's growing you know for that's, me that, that is <laughs> yeah, wow I mean, that's crazy yeah i mean i know people that slept with a lot more um, <laughs> but what we have found is like if i give you some stats here 50 yeah. percent of uk singles have never asked out anyone on a date um, and see, that's really sad. Like in person, you know, it's that's all online. That's really sad. Yeah, and so, I mean, online dating apps and websites yeah. contribute like 12 billion pounds to the economy. Yeah. Most people are on them. I, Some of the surveys I've seen are saying that there's only like 20% of people on online dating apps, but I just don't believe that, especially in our generation. Oh, no, there's huge. definitely more. Yeah. Do do Christians date through like Tinder or, or do you Probably have a different way? Probably not from way? Tinder. There there are some platforms that people use. Like some of my friends are on Hinge. I think there's a Christian one and there's definitely a Catholic one that I've. I've uh, seen Muslim of. ones advertised. Yeah, on so the there's tube. there's like religious ones. For me, um, personally, I don't like online dating because I think I find it really hard to get a feel for the person. Get a feel and and also. I feel all the all of the conversations that happen with a stranger online are very superficial. Like it's very difficult to actually have a conversation that's real mm. in, online. I think I know people that did meet someone. Like for example, my cousin. She met someone online, and they're getting married in less than a month, and it's really exciting. Yeah. But I do think those are rather the exceptions than the rule. Yeah, I think there was something else that you mentioned but that I was going to comment on, but I forgot now. So. Um, um, oh, the 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 fact that half oh, of people have never did, asked, have out never someone, asked in someone out. In I think that's one of the reasons why I value so much when a man comes mm. up to you, asks you out with intention to your face, mm. that you actually are willing to risk yeah. something to pursue yeah, me. I think like that's I a really good. I love that. I love yeah. that. I, what I was getting at with the question more is like the way that 
does the do, do your religious organizations put on events for you guys to meet? Is there like dating events? Would you just expect a guy to just come up to you at church or at, you know, I know you go to some like religious talks like at those kind yeah. of events and the socials that happen afterwards or do you go to do you have like speed dating events or Yeah, I think there's a mixture of things out there. I don't think there's a lot of events put on with the intention of people to meet. I think you don't really need that if you are a formed and confident person you don't need someone to put you in a situation that is labeled this is a dating scenario go mm. and ask women out um but there are lots of events i mean there are lots of events where people go to meet people for romantic purposes like even some of the talks that are not related at all to dating this talks like on um science and neuroscience or psychology or like mm. a theology philosophy whatever people go there and they obviously look around to see what's on the market if you want to put it that way um so there is definitely those opportunities lots of opportunities but that's what i noticed right is that it seems to me that there's a little bit of a wider gap between the sexes in the christian world i mean when i went to the i went to a talk with you yeah. a couple of weeks ago um and it was full of like young religious people. Yeah. And the way that the sexes I saw them interact was very different to the way that I'm used to the sexes interacting. There was a lot more kind of separation. The men were quite awkward around the women. Are, yeah. And like I noticed that the way that men would stare at you was really weird. Like people look at each other in, in my world in people look at each other and there's there's a confidence there because we're used to dealing with each other most people have had multiple sexual partners been on lots of dates there's a confidence there and a way that people know how to be around each other when i was in that um environment i noticed these men would look at you in a way that they clearly liked you but they were also tell really, me which ones <laughs> they were also really intimidated by you and there was this like fear that you could see in their eyes and it was really strange and really off-putting and so i know that you know how do you feel about the way men are in the catholic world like are they um the brave um leaders that you want them to be or are you finding them to be a little bit emotionally and stunted and socially stunted I think there's that's that's a good point. I mean, it's not true of all men, obviously. There's a lot of them. Some of them are awkward people. That's fine. I don't really mind that. You know, you're awkward. I'm sometimes in some situations when I don't feel comfortable. I'm really awkward as well. So it depends on the situation. But um, there definitely is that lack of confidence. I think I think the one thing that's happened, but it's happened in society in general, not just in a Christian or Catholic world, is that kind of feminism and I don't know how to call it if it's the emancipation of womanhood or whatever it is there has become this kind of weird inversion of <coughs> I don't know what's going on with my body today I think it's <laughs> the aircon in here it drives you out <clears throat> there's this weird like reversion uh, almost of what was before in terms of the power dynamic between men and women so like the women couple let's say like 100 years ago you'd have women be more shy and you'd have women which mm. i'm not saying is the way it's supposed to be it's just how it was and women were more kind of <clears throat> the quieter ones and women were kind of just there observing whereas now 
because masculinity and I think masculinity just for the record is a good thing like true authentic masculinity and femininity both are really good things but because masculinity has been oppressed and labeled that's toxic it's kind of slowly disappearing mm. from the public sphere true authentic masculinity and naturally something has to take its place so you have this emergence of very powerful very outgoing very confident women that because we're not just going to stand around and wait someone for to do something we're just going to do it ourselves we're just going to do the things mm. that the lack of men has has provided we're going to have to step into those roles and do them so there's this kind of i know what you mean with the weird separation maybe I, I don't know how to call it maybe it's not separation but that kind of strange relationship yeah. where the but you can understand you can understand in the secular world where there's been a mass encouragement of the feminization of boys and men you know yeah boys are clearly not fitting in with the institutions you know boys are more likely to go to prison more likely to be excluded the culture has gone more to the feminine and they you know we want we, we, we're encouraging people to act in a feminine way and give women more power. But I would have thought the church in your and religious people would not have followed that. that you, uh, was there not, well, so, or are you saying that, you know, you're always going to be a victim of the culture that you. Yeah, I mean, the church exists to. in society. The, the whole purpose of the church is to be a witness to Christ in yeah. society. So all of these things, father, fatherlessness, single parenthood, broken families, all of these things affect, all of the things that are in the culture affect all of us, I mean, I'm from a broken family and I'm a very religious person, mm. but there are things that happen in life, you know, life is not perfect, that affect you. A lot of these men maybe are from broken families, maybe they, they weren't brought up in a religious way. Y if you look yeah. at my, my nuclear family and you look at me and one of my siblings, you would not, you wouldn't be able to tell that from my brother, for example, that his sister is super religious. And you would probably expect my brother to be like me, but we're completely different. Yeah. So there's that, just because one, you know, just because they go to church doesn't mean that they've lived in this Catholic idealistic bubble. The society and the culture rubs off on us, mm. even if we try to protect ourselves from it, or even if we don't necessarily agree with it, it has effects on you. A lot of these men, for example, would have been or still are watching pornography, which has very serious effects on your on your mental health and your uh, psychology and stuff like that as well and if that's your only or one of the only encounters of of sexuality mm. that you've had that's very damaging and then you know what how, where does that leave you so it's a very difficult one in terms of yeah. How do we fix that lack of yeah. masculinity and how do we bring it? But on the other hand, there are lots of yeah. men that are... I'll give you one example before you ask your next question. There was one... And every time something like this happens, I'm like, wow, we need more people like this. So it's such a small thing, but it makes such a big difference in the character of a man. For example, one time I was standing um, outside of, I don't know, I can't remember, some event, and I was talking to three different people of my friends and they coincidentally all three of them were men of different ages so one was like 22 the other one was like 28 and the last one was like 31 or 32 and um the oldest one asked me a question and he asked something and I started to respond and one of the other ones just got a thought and I do this all the time we do mm -hmm. it to each other all the time when you when something comes to your mind you just want to say it because yeah. before you forget so he started to do that and the, the the other guy who asked me the question he was like I'm sorry just let her finish speaking um and kind of politely told him you know she was speaking you interrupted her that's not okay 
And then he turned to me and said, please continue. I'm really interested in what you have to say. So things like that don't happen <laughs> very often. And when someone has the confidence someone and the to masculinity charge, yeah. to be like, it's not even about taking charge, but it's just about basic. I think it's about basic politeness. Mm-hmm. Um, then that's very, very attractive and mm-hmm. very, uh, yeah. So I, I still want to gain a, a wider picture of how you guys, um, what's the word, interact with each other. Yeah. When a guy approaches you, what is it like? Because, you know, we all, we have our dating shows, you know, we have our um, youth shows as well. We know our flirty ways of being with each other in the secular world. How is it? I, I can't imagine it's very you mean like you mean when a guy like approaches you. In a romantic way or just in general when people come up to you? And no, like when, when, when it's a guy that, you know, not just, oh, a friend, yeah. like someone who's interested in you or is trying to get there because i remember you've told me some stories especially the american ones oh yeah the american <laughs> ones are very forward the american people are so forward they will go up to you and they'll be like hi um my name is whatever and i just really want to i really want to pursue you and see if we're suitable for marriage and i was just like whoa that's very extreme that does not <laughs> don't happen don't even know my name <laughs> yeah that does not very that does not happen in that's just very, very, that was very particular. I think in American culture is a bit more forward. In the UK, that does not happen. Mm-hmm. But um, it just happened, like, I think you're overthinking it and you're making it more, t- you're kind of sen- um, sensationalizing it, sensationalizing uh, yeah, it more than it is. It's just, just like a normal to... encounter. Someone comes up to you, you just start having chat. Like, when yeah. you first meet, same as we met, you just like start talking about something, anything that's happened, you know, they yeah. come up, start a conversation. It's very natural. And then they might ask, if they ask you right there and then, that's quite rare because after one meeting, you know, like after you've met a stranger, it's quite rare to ask them out, even in the um, religious realm, let's say. But um, if they, if you see them at a couple of events and whatever, and they come up to you and they just, not all of them say, would you like to go on a date with me or whatever. They go, like, do you want to invite, you? for example, they invite you to an event that they were already going to with some mates, mm-hmm. but they want to get to know you better. So they'll say like, um, me and my friends are going on this hike. Do you want to join us? Or, um, yeah, I'm organizing this event with my friends. Do you want to join us? Or if they want to go on like a more serious date, they'll say, mm. I like you. Yeah. yeah, I think I I think you're a really lovely woman or yeah. I, whatever. Would you like to go on a date? Would you like to go on a walk? Would you like to go to the cinema? Mm. Like they come up with, it's just like a normal, you know, interaction. Yeah. It's not anything that big. Yeah. So what I found interesting when I went to a talk with you about masculinity, uh, that was a Catholic run talk um there were conversations about you know relationships there and um about what it means to be a man in relation to uh dating and and yeah. uh women and i thought what was interesting is in in the, in our world um you know when you think of getting in a relationship it might be because i want to be loved and i want mm. to love or i want someone to share my life with or i want to travel the world with someone or i want company and I was wondering, you know, there was quite interesting because we are taught in our world to find ourselves, live our true selves, whatever. And so that can involve, you know, a lot of people go on gap years or, you know, they're always in this pursuit of the true self. Whereas it was quite interesting. I've never heard anything like it before. The man was like, don't be going and wasting your time on a gap year in India, you know, settle down quickly and get married. And I was a bit like, oh, God, what's what's he on about? That blew my mind. I'd never heard anything <laughs> like that before. 
And so what I'm getting at is sort of the function of a relationship for you is probably different to what it is for me. And I want to understand, you know, what would your role be as a wife and what would your husband's role be as a husband? Yeah. So I really like that that man said that because um, that's something that especially a lot of the young women are feeling because it is just true that women do have a biological factor that men don't need to consider as much. Yeah, sorry, I'll um, just weigh in with qu some quick yeah, stats. So since 1991, the proportion of married adults has risen, unmarried adults has risen from 26% to 38%. And when we look at the ages of 25 to 29, it's now 84% have never been married. And even in the 30 to Unfortunately, 30, we're yeah. in that category. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be married. but That's fine. But I do. Uh, what's actually even more shocking is, you know, we say, oh, women are leaving it later to um, get married and have children. But and so you think, oh, OK, they're doing it in their early 30s. Well, actually, in the age character category of 30 to 34, 60 percent have never married. And that that to me is quite is quite shocking because the most likely household in the UK um, with children is married. So that tells me those people aren't having children. That's 60% of people aged 30 to 34. That's that's like a big amount of people that aren't getting married. Um, but yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, get back to you. Um, it is a huge statistic. About um, the function of sort of what you would be as a wife and what a husband would be. That statistic, it's important to, I think it is directly related to the loss of religion because a marriage as it's understood by the catholic church only makes sense in a world where god exists so if you i mean there are some societal benefits to having like a like a um you know civil marriage there are some benefits to that and obviously it, it's beneficial a lot of people still think even though it doesn't happen in real life like a lot of people mm. still aim towards having a lifelong partner yeah and i, I do think, think marriage still marriage is still the most common family type in the UK. Um, Same-sex married couples is the fastest growing type of family. Um, I mean, the, um, the divorce rate is going down and the, the religion isn't There's going people, up. You know, people see the value in marriage. I'm wondering whether it's actually economic factors that are making people leave this later. I know loads of girls that aren't religious that would ideally love to be married with children but can't afford it and can't find a man that wants to settle down. Yeah, I think, but again, that's like... That's an issue that has come about. You can't find someone with the same values because right, okay. we don't have, you know what, what I mean? Saying. Like a lot yeah. of these factors are correlated to the loss of, loss of being, having the same values and having something that we share because a lot, the society is telling men, you know, you don't want to tie yourself down. There's something better around the corner. I know a couple that has been together since they were 16. They're now in the mid thirties. They've bought a house together but they don't want to get married because they don't want to tie themselves down to each other, which to me just does not make any sense because mm. I'm like, you've bought a house, you have a mortgage, you've been together for more than 15 years and you're still afraid of mm. commitment. That fear of commitment is really um, at the heart of some of these things, I think. Yeah, um, definitely. But um, I forgot what your question was originally. Um, so. Sorry. Uh, what your function would be as a <clears throat> wife and what your husband's function would be as a husband as opposed to... Um, the what we believe in the secular realm of marrying for love or personal fulfillment. Yeah. I think the the definition of marriage in the Catholic um, sphere is 
a way to sanctify yourself and a way to get to heaven for you and your family, which means that it's not just about my personal fulfillment and my personal lovey-dovey feelings. It's about sacrifice often. It's about, um, basically, it all comes down to the def Catholic definition of love, which is love isn't what I feel, uh, like a superficial feeling, and the, mo the feeling in the moment, love is, I want what is the best option for you. That, that's the definition of, lo of love. Definition of love is wanting the best for the other person in your relationship. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it completely reverts the societal definition because the societal definition is relation uh, a relationship is loving as long as I feel loved. Whereas for us, it's more about loving the other person. Obviously, you want to... It, it needs to be reciprocal. That's why, um, you know, you want to find someone mm. that has the same values because if you're the one pouring all the love out on them, mm. they don't share the same values. It's going to be an abusive situation. But then if, if, you, if it's not about you loving them and feeling loved, why do you bother? It is about you loving them. Yeah, and so, yeah, if it, yeah. yeah, if it's... But why, if, if you, as you say, love is about I want the best for you, and what you drives want you the best to get, for me. What drives you to get into a relationship in the first place? But isn't that what part I'm saying of is, life? Yeah, no, of course it is. But what I'm saying is, is that for in in the societal, uh, you know, mode of thought, mm -hmm. you get in you you get in a relationship for your own personal fulfillment. So yeah. and, and for your feelings of you know sexual attraction and whatever, what have you. I know that you believe that relationships fulfill a higher function yeah. than that so what drives you to get into a relationship is it because you want a family is it because you want children or is it because you want a partner in life what what do you think is your hidden impetus well it's all of those things and it's all as as a catholic we be, we believe that there is so, there's a purpose for our life a call we call it a vocation but it's a calling there's something that you have that you can give society and the individuals that you meet that nobody else in the world has you are unique and you have a specific purpose in life so a lot of people will it's called discernment which basically means praying and deciding about what that looks like so because it's very nice to see it say that but it's quite difficult to figure out what that actually is mm -hmm. in my life like what is my unique way of improving the world and making things better for other people so each of us will that will look very different for each of us and I think that for me that is through a marriage and a relationship above a career above an, any financial goals above anything else my goal is to have a family and to get married like that's one of the highest just below getting to heaven <laughs> is mm. my goal you know it's the way that you are called to fulfill your purpose if you want to put it that way it's the way that you are called to serve the world serve people around you your family your friends to get married i don't know how to explain it in a no that that, that makes sense um and do you do you want to be a working mum do you want to no, are you so going to limit the amount of children that you have in the so going back to your question in the roles so for me it's very important that the man is able to provide materially obviously provide love and care and, and everything um, but it's also important to provide material because as soon as I get married I'm open to the possibility of having children straight away I'm not gonna take I don't take contraception I'm never gonna take it um, there's no you know I'm not I don't believe in limiting your 
fruitfulness, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> in Under limiting your eye. fertility. That's the one I was looking for, fertility. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm foreign, okay? Forgive my forgive my. Someone's been mistakes. reading the Bible. <laughs> yeah. um, well, I should read it more. Um, so when when a woman enters in, a, in that scenario, when a woman enters into a relationship and gets pregnant and has children, she has to be fully dependent on the man and she has to fully trust him because I can't work when I'm nine months pregnant and have no, a newborn and do, all of these things. We do live in a society where we have um, maternity leave and stuff like that now. Yeah, but we? can you survive off it? Yeah, you get full pay for six, for six months, months, and months and half pay for the, the rest six the Yeah, the, the but the baby at one year old is not independent and no. it's not best for the baby to be put in a... In a um, state-run nursery or it's not best for the child to be given to a random person to look after while you pay so while you work so that you can pay for the child care like well, i want to be your a view st- would be different yeah. to the way many yeah. people live their lives or they feel that they have to live their lives that way because they can't afford to do anything i else. think that um society puts uh, like a lot of people will say i'm not having children because i can't afford to and I think that's not true. You can afford to have children. You just have to sacrifice things in your lifestyle that you don't want to sacrifice. So you wouldn't be able to go out and eat in a restaurant every day. You wouldn't, or every week, or whatever it is. You would have to cut corners to provide for your child. And I think that's something that people are not willing to do at this point. For me, yeah. I would rather live in the poorest, mm. poor area mm. in a small house. But make sure that my child is looked after by me, that I'm my child is loved, that my child has everything they need from the basic needs and beyond. Even if that means that I can't do, I don't know, I can't go out with my girlfriends every week or I can't, yeah. you know, go on holidays every year. Yeah. Like, well, I was reading actually that couples where one parent wants to stay at home are severely punished in the tax system in the UK yeah. compared to other countries. <laughs> Because a lot of com- a lot of countries they tax married couples as a couple, whereas in the UK we have quite low tax rates for where if you earn a low wage. But if you have a high earner, but they're only one, one earner, yeah. they they have to pay a high rate of tax, and then that means that there's a lot of couples where they physically just they can't get by on one salary. Yeah, and and yeah, that's again it's the way society is set up, and something that we could work on perhaps. Mm. But at the moment. That's not the case. So we have to work around it. And that's why it's important for me. It's not like for me, it's not about finding a man who has a lot of money or who has um, a really well paid job because you're in your 20s or 30s. You're at the beginning of your career. For me, it's more about the values and the personal traits. So if you're a hardworking person, if you're a loving person, if you're a person that has the same priorities as me, even if you have to get too minimum wage jobs to provide for your family when I'm I've just had a cesarean and I can't do anything you know like that's more important to me you want to be at home and you want your man to be at work well in a simple way in a simple way yes but it's more than that like, I understand why, yeah. because you're saying, you know, that's that's a way to as give your woman, children the best childhood that you can give them, to look after them, and as a woman, you feel like you should be at home with those children. I don't I think that's... I don't, I don't think that. I don't think that's as simple as that. I think it's more than... Even if you as... A, like, some, I don't know if I will want to work after I have children or stay at home. I just don't know because I have never been in that situation. Like, maybe I'll be going crazy after six years and be like, ah, get me out of here, I want to go to work. But... Mm. You need to you need to have it clear when you go into the relationship that this is the expectation of the man. You are the provider. You are there to... When I'm giving birth, 
I don't think, a, a bit like Louise Perry was saying in a talk we went to, like, I don't think it's okay to expect women to go to work um, six months after having a child because it's such a big thing the ch for the child or the mother. It's not the best thing. Yeah. So I, I personally do want to stay at home with, with my children. Again, in terms of schooling, when I look at what's happening in schools, I don't want to put my kids in there. So I would probably opt for <laughs> homeschooling or a private oh, bloody school. Bloody hell, you're going to be busy. Yeah. That'd be good, wouldn't it, if the state would pay you what they otherwise would to have teach spent my on, your own children. on your children's And the thing education. about these, like, um, homeschooling... Oh, like my I God, we've just created a great <laughs> policy there. Because if, if parents... if I think the state spends something like 80... No, something like 200,000 per child through their all of their schooling. You could pay mum that. She can afford to stay at home. Teach her children. And teach her children. They would never go for I that. Think, I think that's, that's, that's idea, quite though. difficult, though, because a lot of women don't want that. Like, I no, don't but it's, like, it's, it's a way to give people the choice, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, have an option. Yeah. I, I do know a few families that are homeschooling, that, that are Catholic families homeschooling, and the basically the school system is stretched. Like, the things that they learn compared to the amount of time that they spend there is absolutely yeah, it's ridiculous. Crazy, it's it? a, yeah. it's basically a it <laughs> babysitting club, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. So, the amount of things that you can do with your child at home in terms of mm. learning, you can mm. squish that down so much. And then you can do all those other things. Like you can travel because they're not tied down to a school. You can you can learn through going to places. You can learn through, yeah. like you can learn about animals through going to places mm. where there are animals instead of sitting in a classroom yeah. for a whole day learning one cent. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, let's switch gears. So for you in uh, and for Catholics in general, your very clear about the connection between relationships and family life and yeah. and creating new life yeah. that hasn't been divorced in the same way it has in the secular world where things like the pill and divorce and um, abortion have allowed um, the idea of family life and and procreation to be divorced from relationships yeah. You know, relationships now in the secular world can function um, differently. You know, it can be we can have things like flings. We can have a bit of fun. We can have friends with benefits. We can have these transitory relationships. Uh, and so that begs the question of, you know, what do what function do relationships have in the wider society? Um, and whether there's something that we're missing in the secular world or whether maybe there's something you're missing in your world and I would wonder in your world you know I if I had to be stuck with the first person I ever slept with I'd want to kill myself <laughs> like <laughs> and I just wonder sometimes how you can discern the right person for you when you haven't had those experiences of being with someone in my mind it feels like you're kind of like you're, once you've decided to go for someone, you, you know, if you haven't lived with someone, you haven't been on holiday with them, you haven't you slept with them. You can go on holiday them, with people. Well, yeah, you can. But, like, would you really go on holiday with a man alone to a romantic yeah, place? Yeah, you can. And, and, um, and you can, yeah. I mean, you can, but, like, would, would you? Yeah, Like, okay, not? maybe you would. But you, to me, you just don't... You can go on holiday, you just don't sleep yeah, with each other. Yeah, like, that's it. Yeah, but then, like, would you sleep in the same bed? Like, no. Well, there you go. Like, I don't feel like you're living as a couple but, and making a, a, an informed choice. But you see, you're reducing you're reducing relationships to sex. Like, yeah. you're very, you're putting the biggest importance in the relationship on the sexual side. Whereas Not just I'm, on that, but, like, I'm also talking about all of these parts of a person show you a little bit more of who they are inside. 
So you can see whether there you have um, you know you gel well, you have that charisma between you. All of these different experiences that you do with someone, like living to, with them, shows you more about who a person is. And I can tell you, every year that you're in a relationship with someone, you see a new side to them. Oh, yeah. you, you peel back layers of well. you peel yeah. back the layers of the onion. And sometimes I think, God, going on a few dates with someone and maybe having a year of courtship, you really don't know what you're getting into. And so I'm wondering to you, like, do you ever worry about that? Or I have, a, I know someone who's been with some, only been with one guy, been with them for a very long time and is worried about the fact that, you know, if they move forward with that relationship, they're never going to be with someone else. And I wonder, like, do you not have those worries about, you know, could the grass be greener elsewhere? Or, you know, what if he does turn out to be an arsehole and I want to get out? Well, there's a very simple answer to that. To most of those, I would say, no, I don't. Because I don't, for me, I think it it comes down to the definition and the purpose of a relationship. Exactly, It's not about... it's not always about personal gratification. It's not always about my pleasures. There are higher things than that. Um, a relationship, a marriage for me is obviously in whatever, it, say I get married when I'm 28 or 29 and I die when I'm 90 or 85. That's a very long time, a very long period when I'm with this person. Obviously, there's going to be times when we're going to argue and we're not going to enjoy each other's company. But that's a, That's just the normal thing. Uh, of relationships like that's just a normal flow of relationships if I was to with a with a let's put it this this way if I was to every time my mother doesn't make me feel loved and every time my mother doesn't fulfill and gratify me in some way if I was to cut my relationship with her I would be out there like 25 years ago after I stopped breastfeeding I understand that but it also seems like you are minimizing how awful it can be to live with a partner that you just you just cannot get on and i've seen it so many times with people that you know they start out well i mean a lot of the time i I will admit that there are things that they ignore that they shouldn't ignore. yeah and it's i wonder whether you you know you as a you as a young person who's naive who's not been through relationships like this before you would if you really like someone there's things that you're going to overlook and then you're trapped in this relationship and it can be intolerable, especially if they're like abusive or yeah. Well, in an abusive know? situation, like there's no or if they become a gambler and yeah, or an alcoholic. In all of these things, like, there's no you can leave the person. You if if they're abusing your your children or whatever, you don't you're not going to sit there and take the abuse. Some people do. I I wouldn't like I would leave. But for me, first of all, to go back a little bit. In the preparation stages, it's not just you having a few meetings and that's it. There's a very intensive and very intentional, especially during engagement, um, stage of preparation where you meet with older couples, where you meet with other people who have those experiences, who have long-term relationships, who've been through things that you haven't been through, that they help you ask each other those questions. They help you explore those areas that you, just as a like a person that hasn't experienced those things, wouldn't even think of because I'm mm. like, I wouldn't even think of some of the things that you ask me sometimes because it's not even on my radar. Like It's yeah. not part of my daily life. I don't really come across those things. So there's a very... I think that if you are going into a marriage as a Catholic person, honest, open, and lovingly, there's very few things that can go wrong because you have a very good season of preparation 
for that with other people. It happens as part of a, it's a community thing. Mm. Like you get support from your priest, you get support from older couples, you get support from your family, and you discern the person not only as an individual, you discern him as a community, each other, you discern each other. As a, so if I take him to my family and my mom goes, oh, I don't like that, I didn't like that, you have to pay attention to those mm. things because you can have those rosy goggles on, you know, those rosy mm. glasses and just see a romantic version of the person. And it's very important to yeah, integrate them into your wider life. I, I, I think that's nice in a way because you're saying about how you, as young people, you're humble and you have that humility in knowing that you don't know we don't everything. Know. We don't. So you're going to look to your elders and that they're, they're very much involved in the whole process. Whereas I think on the in the secular world, we're left to kind of explore things for ourselves, yeah. make our own mistakes have our hearts broken and learn that and way. of course that's going to happen as well like naturally you're going to have your heart broken in this way as well mm. um you're naturally going to make mistakes and hurt the other person and things are going to mm. happen but if you're going into a relationship with all this preparation and support and you are fully aware of what it entails mm. you're fully consensual you're giving yourself fully freely mm. and permanently then isn't that the most beautiful thing that you can do? Even even if you even if something happens to you and you you're like for example you get paralyzed and we can't have sex, I give myself fully freely and permanently to you, paralyzed or not paralyzed, oh and all of those things. But I think that's beautiful. That's what? No. so beautiful. Oh, no, you don't no. like that. I really don't like it. My nan used to run a social services team, and there was a woman that she had that was paralyzed, and they this was before they changed the law. I think it was uh, in like the no the late nineties where they changed the law, saying that a man wasn't yeah. entitled to have sex with his wife under whatever he wanted. So they had to facilitate him coming in, and I would say rape his paralysed wife, oh, and it was awful. I don't mean it in that way. I would never advocate for that. But you what you I said, mean, I'll give my body to you, paralysed or whatever. So that's no, why I no, thought no, you were no, saying no. like you my, can do what you want. No, with no, me. that's that's not it at all. Because if you care for the other person, you wouldn't want to put them yeah, through that. That's true. Like it's it's a two way street. Yeah. And if you're I just in had that, to clear that, no, up. no, 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 no. <laughs> I would never. What I'm saying is. Um, if something terrible happens to my husband the day after marriage, I'm not going to ditch him just because right, he's yeah. paralyzed. This example sticks in my mind. There's a couple in the US. I don't know them personally, but I used when I had Instagram, I used to follow her. And they've been married for three years. They want to have children. He was a firefighter, I think. And on his way to a call, he was in a car accident and he was in a coma. He's not paralyzed, but he has difficulty with mobility. He has a mental disability off of that as well. And the woman, like loads of people were telling her like, oh, you can put him in a, in a home and like, yeah. you know, he, you will never be able to have the life that you dreamed of. Mm. You'll never be able to have the life that you wanted when you were marrying him. And it's okay to leave him. It's okay to put him away and just get him out of sight and start again. But she said, no, I promised this man that in sickness and in health, I'll be looking after him. I'll be with him. I'll be supporting him. And what kind of a promise is it that two years after when something bad happens, you're going to be like, oh, well, ta-ta, this is not what I thought of. Like, there's so much more to a to a Catholic marriage than sexual relationships and gratification. That, that leads on nicely to the idea of the family as a welfare unit. Yeah. So what has kind of allowed the breakdown of the family is the rise of the welfare state, because it means that we don't have to stick together for our financial and material 
um, welfare. You know, we can I can I can divorce my husband and I can go to the state who are going to give me a council house and yeah. tax credits if I choose to work or benefits if I if I don't work, and I'll get my child maintenance from my ex. Now, uh, beforehand, you know, those things didn't exist. And so the family had the function of also providing welfare. They were there to be there with you. And one of the criticisms of the welfare state is that the welfare state doesn't love you. You know, you're just a number to the welfare state. So it's devoid of spirituality. And I would say that is kind of... And personal emblematic. Yeah, yeah, it's emblematic of our post-war world. is taking out spirit of things. It's it's cold hard numbers, you know, and so that is something that speaks to me is the coldness of the welfare state and the fact that we are emotional beings and we need something more than that. And so I think you know if we look at some stats, it it kind of shows you how important the family is. I mean, it's seventy percent of young offenders who are in prison come from fatherless families. Um, I think there's 3 million children in, in the UK that don't have fathers. 50% of children would have seen their parents divorce by the time they're 16. And fatherlessness has been linked to crime, uh, not going to universities, uh, earning less as an adult, mental health issues uh, and, pr- and prison time. Um, Public Health Wales did a study. They said that married parents is associated with having uh, the least uh, adverse child experiences, which are like traumas. And the uh, more ACEs a child has, the less likely it is that they had both parents in their lives. This the complete, more what, sorry? Oh, ACEs. the more um, adverse childhood okay. experiences. Um, things like different traumas that you yeah. can add up. Okay. So the more of those a child had, the less likely it was that both their parents were involved in their life. Yeah. So it shows you that there's a very big importance there of having fathers and mothers together. And one thing I'll say is that I think 97% of marriages that were still intact when the children were 16, of of relationships still intact when the children were 16, were through marriage. So it does show you that there is an importance there of marriage. I don't know whether marriage itself keeps people together or whether it's the willingness to commit to a marriage, which shows you that that relationship can run the distance. Because a lot of the time you get men who say to women, why do you need a piece of paper? And it's like, well, why don't you want to give me the piece of paper? You know, (laughs) like, so... I think that you have a point there. I suppose I'm, what I'm getting at yeah. is that you guys, I don't know if I would live my dating life the way you do, but I do think you guys have a point there where you you keep the function of a relationship across the lifespan and across the different services that a relationship fulfills you keep that all in mind you know the fact that a relationship is there if you get ill it's there to um if you have children it's there throughout your life and into older age whereas in a secular world it's very much transactional and here and, and now and here and now yeah. and you know it's free you're freely able to enter into a relationship you're freely able to ent- exit a relationship and even having children isn't actually a pretext to keep you together yeah. um or having financial commitments and so I do think that you guys have a point there because we do have a lot of broken homes in the West and it seems to be uh, very much linked to negative outcomes for children. The the fact that mum and dad aren't together. And not just that, but the fact that mum and dad split. And after that, there's a a different partner on each side or a number of different partners on each side. So that, again, has a very, very big, you know, effect on the children as well. If you've got different 
uncle or daddy or whatever you call him every couple of months there's a different relationship mm. um on the parents mm. on the uh, each of the parents side that's quite uh, difficult and traumatic for the mm. child to yeah go through as well it's childhood poverty is a lot higher with uh, single parent families you know people talk about the fact that um since you know the thatcher years inequality has risen in this country and, and that is true but people normally put it down to things like wages not quite rising as fast as it is for the people at the top but there's also the side of you know people are having to run two households now where yeah. they used to run one, one. and single parent families are much more likely to be in child poverty because you know you've only got one income mm. coming in and for single parent families in general Mum only works part time. She's not working full time because she's oh, got she the kids to look a low, after. Oh, a, a low paid job, kind yeah. of, because she had. And I think, um, you know, f- feminism is lying to women in this area that you'll be happy if you are completely free and untied to a, a particular man because that's not gonna. You're not better off as a single mum <laughs> working three no. jobs. Um, you know, first of all, you're not gonna be happy that way, but also just in general like it does not have as many benefits as we're told that this freedom is going to give you so much so much fulfillment so much joy i think partially it is that breakdown of the family unit because you don't have the support you don't have the the confidence of like i when i marry a man i will know that he is going to be there to support me and my children no matter what. And that gives you such freedom. Yeah. That gives you so much freedom because then you can work, but you don't have to. And for the man as well, it gives him freedom because he knows, like, he doesn't have to, you know, worry about um, whether his wife is going to be <laughs> around or not because you're going into that commitment fully and yeah. just you know what's what it is before you enter but into also, it. also, it's, it's just a very nice starting base for your children to know that they've got a home with with their mum and dad and that you know there's somewhere safe for them and that that, you know that encouraged them to go out in life and take more risks and you know because they know that they've got a loving family at home for them um yeah yeah. to fall back on and and in wider society as well i think it's it's so much easier to to build a culture and and build a community with families than it is to build a community with individuals yeah because family units will naturally rely on each other like i don't know any family that doesn't for example share childcare duties with another family like in the catholic world it's all it takes a village that kind of mentality you know you share your your struggles you go through similar things you have a community of people that are going through the same things that you are or similar things you share some of the burdens you share some of the joys and it's beautiful and it's really fulfilling and it's so joyful even in the difficult times but when you're going through all of that difficulty as an individual as an atomized person by themselves that's really really hard i think that's really hard well i think that we'll leave it there for today i definitely think we're going to have to return to this um, yeah. topic because maybe there's delve so into much more detail delve into more yeah. detail maybe about the history of of the family and wh- where we've got to today and other functions of it but I think what we've settled on today is you know we do disagree about maybe the way you go across uh, about dating and whether you know that every partner you have has to has to be the one that you end up with but I definitely think we agree that 
relationship oh, no. former wife. No, partners. no. But what I mean is, is that you know, I might think, oh, I could go out with this person for yeah, a yeah. few weeks or that yeah. f- for a few weeks. You know, for you, it's relationships are very serious things. But I do think we agree on the fact that they do have a wider function than just between those two individuals on families and societies, and that it does fulfil a great function for um, children once children once they come along. So yeah. we'll leave it there for now and uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah, see you. Very interesting convo. Thanks, Nick. Bye-bye. Bye.